Hey, everybody. Good morning. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. Uh, did we dismiss to the VBS classes yet? So at this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss to our VBS class. We have one big class this morning. Uh, we uh, had to make some adjustments. But uh, all the kiddos, if you guys want to head on out, uh, the youth, you guys can hang out in here. So youth is going to stay in here. Like I said, we had to make some adjustments this morning, but that's okay. We just have kids leaving now. So uh, thank you guys for bearing with me. Uh, that video this morning that we played was like dead on for my week. The whole week has been just making it. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about someone, again, who was just kind of making it. And you'll you'll see what I get to when we get there. But um, before we get to specifically Jonah, I want to talk a little bit about me and how I grew up and uh, a little bit about just some things that kind of go along with Jonah's story. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody say, I would never do that? Have Maybe some of us have said, I would never do that. Well, I, uh, yeah, I would never say that, right? <laughs> um, today's lesson is titled, I would never do that because I was that kid. I was the kid that would never do that, you know, whatever it was. I remember so specifically growing up and saying specific things. They talk about, you know, uh, getting in trouble or, or, you know, not following directions or something like that. And that's, that's me as a, as a kid, uh, Whitney sent that picture to my father-in-law yesterday. And he said, that's my boy, Harvey. No, that's, that's me. But I was this kid that would never get in trouble or do anything wrong or, you know, say the wrong thing to somebody or make somebody uncomfortable or whatever it was. And as a kid, I really tried to be that way. I really tried to be the kid that wouldn't get into trouble, wouldn't do things incorrectly. But as we all know, we all mess up, right? <laughs> Every single one of us tends to mess up, do something wrong. Eventually, we all become the kid that said, I would never do that. And I kind of wanted to like preface this with how, you know, another question people ask when you're, when you're growing up is, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up, right? In kindergarten, that's like a big question. It's the first thing they hit you with. What do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, we had kids that were like firemen and policemen and, uh, you know, I want to go into the military and I want to do X, Y, and Z, whatever it was. And I always said that I wanted to be a pastor. Didn't know what that entailed, did not know on earth really what I was talking about, but as a kid, I grew up, you know, this little, this little one here, uh, grew up going to a private school in California, so we had Bible class, we had, uh, we had uh, what do you call it, chapel every Wednesday, and so we would sit in all of these different lessons, and all I knew is that I wanted to share God's word. Right. I wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to teach people about Jesus. Now, again, as a kid, I didn't really know what all of that entailed. I didn't know what, 
a calling looked like. I didn't know what ministry looked like on a daily basis. I just saw the gentleman at the front teaching, and I was like, man, I think I kind of want to do that, right? But when everybody else was saying, I want to be a fireman or a police officer or a lawyer and make lots of money, I said, I want to be a pastor. And I think about that calling all the time. Like I think about it, and if you want to hit the last picture for me, this is actually um, my baptism picture, which I can't believe it. Like you see pictures of your parents when they're younger. Sorry, yeah, if if this is in the way here. You see pictures of your parents when they're younger, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's my dad. But my dad actually got to baptize me, which is pretty cool. But my calling began all the way back then. I didn't think about it like that. Again, I just, you know, it was just, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's your job, right? But it was a calling that started from a very, very early, early age. And I think about that calling and I think about my life and how bumpy the road has been <laughs> and how I ran from that calling for a long, long time. Uh, It took until I was a freshman in college to actually, like, rededicate my life to Christ and say, God, I know the call that you have for my life, and I actually want to follow this now. And it was really, you know, all through eighth grade, I went to this private school, and we moved here, but I realized that I wasn't 100% in it. Does that make sense? It's almost like you're on the fence a little bit. You got one foot in, one foot out. It's like when you're getting into a pool and it's the water's a little cold, you dip your toes in, woo, you know, okay, I'm getting used to it. You dip your feet in and then you get your up to your knees and that, you know, all that. So, but again, it took until I was a freshman in college to fully commit to my calling in life. And it's cool to look back and see that even at this, you know, super young age, God was speaking to me even back then. So youth, never ever think that God's not speaking to you because God is always speaking into you, into your life. Whatever it is, God is with you, always with, you know, I got to talk to the youth first, but adults too, God is always speaking into your life. He's always talking to you, always has his arm around you saying, hey, I'm right here with you. And the crazy thing about life is that when it seems like God is the furthest away and we're running around screaming, where are you? He's like right there with you. And he's whispering like, I'm right here. But we're looking for him in the big things. But today we're going to talk about Jonah. Enough about me. Let's get into Jonah and his calling. And for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here and there. So Jonah gets called to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is not the greatest place on earth. They murdered people. They did a whole bunch of bad things. And, uh, you know, for the sake of keeping it PG, we'll, we'll do an R-rated Jonah one day, but not today. Uh, <laughs> but it was pretty nasty in Nineveh. And Jonah, you know, he says, hey, God, no, I don't want to do that. And instead, he gets on a boat, and he goes, he looks at a map, and he says, how far can I get from Nineveh? And he goes to a place called Tarshish. Well, that was his destination. Doesn't quite make it there, right? So he gets on the boat, he goes under under the deck, and he falls asleep. They set sail, and what happens? 
You guys got to remember I'm the youth guy. I like a little bit of interaction. What happens to the boat? Anybody remember? Big storm. So they wake them up, and they're like, dude, we're about to die. How are you sleeping through this, right? <laughs> so he goes up, <clears throat> and then they all, you know, Jonas keeping his lips zipped. I'm not telling anybody that I know the reason why we're all about to die, right? So Jonah's like, mm, I ain't saying nothing. And then they all cast lots. So they roll dice, and the lots fall to who? Jonah, <laughs> right? And that's one of my favorite things. It's like, literally, it's luck. Like, have you guys ever rolled dice before? It's all, it's all luck. You're not ever, unless you've got loaded dice, you know. It's all going to be a luck of the, uh, of the, of the cast, if you will. And even with that, it falls on Jonah. <laughs> so he says, okay, fair enough. Yes, I'm the one who's running from my calling. It would be better if you guys threw me overboard, and then, you know, you guys can move on. They pick Jonah up, and they're like, sorry, dude, we don't want to do this, but it's what's happening. So they kind of like apologize to him a little bit. It's kind of funny. And they're like, mm, good luck. Throw him over the boat. And the second Jonah hits the water, storm calms down. And he's just sitting there. And they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> so they, you know, they continue on their journey. And then my favorite part of the story, a great fish swallows Jonah. Now, I am a big fan of, like, fantasy, of mythology, of, like, all these different funny things or, you know, weird things that you can study and do a lot of research on. But a giant fish swallows this guy. You guys ever been swallowed by a fish before? Have you ever swallowed fish before? Maybe. You know, <laughs> we went to a fish house last night. I didn't get any fish because it makes me sick. But that's okay. So, also, we get about halfway there. That video they played... Mason says, Daddy, I don't have my shoes halfway to the fish house last night, so I totally felt that family. But <clears throat> inside of this great fish, Jonah has a turning point. He has a point where he's like, okay, it stinks in here. There's rotting other things around, and I'm going to die unless I follow God's calling for my life. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've never been in a situation that dire before. <laughs> okay, but still, there have been situations in my life where it's not looked great. It's not been good. And I've called out to the name of God, and, you know, there's a couple different answers to prayer. You get yes, no, and not right now, right? But, Every single time, whether it was an answer that I wanted, God has been there with me regardless. Does that make sense? So even if it wasn't like, God, give me this thing that I want, he still gave me what I needed. He never forsake me. He never left me in those situations. There's never been a point in my life where God said, mm, Dave, I'm done with you. Because he'll never do that to you. Ever, ever, ever. And even when Jonah was in the belly of a whale, God was still with him. And we're going to read Jonah's prayer real quick. Again, like I said, I'm not going to keep you guys a super long time. But I just want to read this prayer, and I want to kind of take it into context of what we're talking about today. 
So if you have your Bible or your phone, we're in Jonah chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep within the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, favorite part, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And Jonah's on dry land. Okay, so <clears throat> had to throw that in there for fun. What does this prayer sound like? Does anybody does this remind anybody of any other book of the Bible? No. So when I was reading this and I was preparing for this, I was like, this almost sounds like a psalm a little bit. It sounds like a song that Jonah may have sang. Uh, it's it's written in a similar way to some of the psalms. But I just thought it was interesting because a lot of the Psalms talk about crying out to God and God immediately swoops in and saves David or whoever else wrote those Psalms. But I love this because right after Jonah says this prayer, God puts him exactly where he needs to be. And it's not like back on the boat or back on the land to like go buy a ticket to Nineveh. He is, for lack of a better term, vomited onto the shores of Nineveh. And I just think that's super cool because it's not something that, like, we think about a whole lot, right? When we read this story, it's more of like Jonah and the whale, and then all these people are saved. But I really like the fact that God just puts him exactly where he needs to be if that makes sense. A lot of us, and, and you know, this is just a driving uh, scenario, but you ever been like driving down the road and you've got your grip on the steering wheel? A lot of us tend to grip it a little tight, right? And the second that Jonah, if you will, just follow me in this analogy, when he lets go of that wheel, right, God puts him exactly where he needs to be. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for God's will to be done in a situation? That's a tough prayer to pray because it's not something that you're just like, you know, if you're, if you're praying for God's will to be done, you are giving up 100% control. Jonah in this situation, sitting in the belly of a whale, was giving up all control. He didn't have any other way out except for God's way. And when he let go, he let God take control. So I just want, I wanted to, you know, ask that about 
have you ever prayed a prayer of God, let your will be done? Because again, that's that's not an easy prayer to ask in, in your situations, in your life, uh, whatever it is. Letting go of that scenario, that problem, that issue, that sickness, that whatever it is, is is really really tough. Because we like to have control over life, but a lot of the times when we let go of our control, God takes control if we ask for it. So uh, we're going to wrap up pretty quick here because they said they're serving burgers today and they're calling my name. So um, specifically in these four different chapters of Jonah, we see really, really big parts of Jonah's life, right? We see Jonah's fear and his flight, right? So he's scared of God's call and he runs away. And then we see Jonah's repentance, which is, you know, him saying, God, I'm going to let you take control. We see the salvation of the people of Nineveh, right? He goes through the city for like four days and he tells them, God is going to destroy you all unless you repent. And then he goes to the top of the hill and he waits for the fiery ball of death to consume Nineveh, which is, you know, if you share the gospel with somebody, that's not necessarily what I would think would happen to them. <laughs> you know, if you're like, hey, do you know Jesus? And then you like step back and wait for the fireball. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think about that, right? But that's kind of what Jonah did here. Jonah said, hey, you know, Repent, turn away from your wicked ways, or you're going to die. Goes to the top of the hill, and nothing happens. In fact, all of the people of Nineveh, the king specifically, turns from his wicked ways and tells the people, no, 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 we're not going to follow all of these evil idols anymore. We are going to follow the God that Jonah just taught us about. And instead of the retribution instead of the fireball, instead of the destruction that Jonah so wanted, instead he sees a city praising God. And instead of being happy about it, he's angry about it. Um, that's a weird reaction to me because he was looking forward to the destruction. He was looking forward to that fireball. And he actually, you know, he tells God, like, I'm so mad that I wish I was dead. I'm so mad that I don't even want to be alive anymore. And the cool thing about this book is that Jonah doesn't get the last word. Jonah's not the one who sits there and says, I'm angry. This is not fun, right? God has the last word in Jonah's book. And God has the last word in every single one of our lives. The Bible says that when we die, we're going to stand judgment for all of our sins. But if we have the blood of Christ on us, God doesn't see all of the sin in our lives. He doesn't see all the mistakes we've made. He doesn't see all of the things that we've screwed up. He doesn't see all of the things that we've said, done, thought, all of that. What does he see? He sees his son dying on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And it says that when Jesus died on the cross, he cast our sin as far as the east from the west. 
Now, that little boy that I showed you before, he grew up on the West Coast. And when he heard that he was moving to the East Coast, he thought that was a long ways away, which, you know, it's about 3,000 miles. But we're talking way further than 3,000 miles. We're talking, literally, if you take a map, it's almost like when Jonah took the map and he said, how far can I get from Nineveh, right? We're talking that your sin is so far removed from you that all God sees is redemption. All he sees is the blood of his son, the sacrifice that he made for you. So, when God calls you to do something or just calls to your life or talks to you or whatever it is in your life or just speaks into your life, don't run from God. Run to God. See, we have Jonah's book in the Bible as an example, and I love it because I love reading about when people screw up because I screw up all the time. (laughs) It is a mirror that I'm looking into when I read the Bible. And then when I'm reading about all of these people that are screwing up, Peter's my favorite example. We'll get to him another day. But when Peter even, like, when Jesus is going to be crucified, he denies him. He says, I don't even know that guy. Because he's scared for his life, not for Jesus' life, but for his own. See, we, we have to look not at our lives, but we have to look at Jesus's life. And we have to look at his, again, sacrifice and redemption and the blood that he poured out for us. But we can't run from God. We can't say, I'm too scared. Because God, number one, he equips who he calls. So if he calls you to do something, you better believe he's going to give you the tools in order to do it. You guys think I'm like, I know how to do this? Uh Uh-uh. This is all him. It's not Dave. Because Dave gets stage fright. Dave's actually scared of heights. I'm scared of, like, that height right there. Okay, I get on a Ferris wheel and I start throwing up like the whale. But I'm just being real here. God equips who he calls. For Jonah, he gave him the tools. For Moses, he gave him the tools. For all of the people in the Bible, you know, he gave Moses Aaron, someone to speak for him. Moses had a stutter. Just to give you a little context in that. But if he's speaking into your life about something and you get scared, run to him, not from him. Because he is going to give you everything that you need in order to fulfill what he asks you to do for his kingdom. I'm not good at scheduling. I'm not good at speaking. I'm not good at all of these different things that my job here requires. But God has given me people that help me every single day. God has equipped me with the tools in order to do this job. Now, I wish I could do it better every single day. But again, this is something that it, it it's not about me. It's all about him. Okay. So hamburgers are calling my name. Sorry. (laughs) So just like the end of the book of Jonah, just know in your hearts today, know that you don't have the last word. God has the last word in your life. He loves you. He cares about you way more than you'll ever know. It's, it's so awesome to hear somebody tell you that, like, they love you, right? Like, yeah, 
that's awesome. Someone likes me. But we're talking about like your creator, the one who put you here, the one that gave you a purpose. He loves you. He cares for you. And he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. So if you don't know him today, it's real easy. All you got to do is take your hand off that steering wheel. Your life means so more, so much more than you'll ever, ever know. Ron, can you come up and play some tunes for me? But just in closing, please, please know how much you mean to God, how much you mean to those around you, how much you mean to me. Because there's not one person in here that I'm sad about knowing. Every single one of you is a blessing. Every single one of you is so important. Not just to me, not just to free worship, but to God, to your creator, to the one who made everything around us. And I know we're, you know, VBS Sunday. We're here to have fun and fellowship and things like that. I want, I want you guys to take a moment today while you're here and just kind of relax in knowing that we're a family. We love each other. We care about each other. I know it's a lot easier to be like, all right, Mexican restaurants right down the road. Let's go. But it's important to know that we are a family and we care about each other and we're here for each other. And we can talk to each other about stuff. You know, it's not just like, yep, go to church with that person. It's like we need to lean on each other and care for each other. But we're going to open up the altar and we are just going to, you know, you can have some time, come talk to God. Again, if you don't know him, take your hand off that steering wheel and he'll change your life forever.